Hello, hello, hello. This is Shawnee. Welcome to another episode of Shifting Mindsets with Shawnee. It's a pleasure to be connecting with you all for season three, y'all. This season is all about Jesus Changed Me, where we're going to go ahead and have a bunch of people on the podcast sharing their testimonies of how Jesus stepped into their life and how the relationship shifted them. And honestly, y'all, I had to do three episodes. This is my third episode where I'm featured. And that's because there are so many different things that the Lord has been working with me on. So many different things that I have related to testimonies. And some of these testimonies just did not make sense to put them all together. It made sense to have separate episodes. But y'all be on the lookout. I have some really great guests coming up. I'm really excited for them to share their stories. So stay tuned. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please submit your inquiry on my website. You'll be able to get access to the form to request to be a guest. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah, I cannot make this up. I have so many different testimonies about how God moved in my life and changed me. When I say my encounter with Jesus just started this triple effect, um, I'm telling you, it was like one thing after another was taking place. And this is how I've come into existence of who I am today and man when I look back at year ago two years ago five years ago ten years ago um the woman that I was it's like I just feel so disconnected from who I was when I look at pictures I can recall the stories behind it I can even think about what was going on at that time when it related to pain and happiness and if there was discomfort um but when I look at my pictures I see a lot of worldliness you know a girl wanting to escape but not knowing exactly her way out not realizing that Her first love was always Jesus and that she had turned her back from Jesus because she didn't really know that the relationship with Jesus was that important. And um, just the relationship that I have with him now versus when I was a little girl, when I was a teenager, it's just so beautiful. It's something that is melodic and I just want to share him with everybody and I want everybody to have that love because it's something that I searched for all my life. You know, just having parents that weren't present and feeling rejected and abandoned and um, having emotionally unavailable parents. All of that led me to other people and seeking that in people until I realized that I had to stop running and hiding and go back to the source himself to actually feel that void that I once had. Now, one of the ways that I would seek comfort you know, outside of people would be with nicotine. And this isn't something that I've really ever talked about publicly ever because it was something that I was never proud of. I was never proud of the fact that I needed to smoke to get through the day. I was never proud of me smoking in my car. Now, I did have off limit, you know, certain things when it came to smoking. I didn't let other people know that I was a smoker. I did it in my car only. I didn't do it in my home. Um, I didn't smoke with other people. It was never one of those things. It was just like, oh, I just need some comfort. I need to relax. I need to de-stress. But it was one of those things that once I started, it just had a stronghold over me. So let me take you back to when I first started with my nicotine addiction. And I knew it was an addiction because anytime I would try to shake it, I couldn't. You know, but we'll we'll get a little further down the line um, soon with that. But let's take it back to when I was 19 years old. 
I was just going through a whole lot at that time. Um, being in a relationship, first time moving out of my mom's home and living on my own. So I had these bills that I was getting adjusted to. I also was in college, y'all. So, um, you know, moving out of my mom's home, becoming a full-blown adult, working full-time job, um, having bills. And then I was in this relationship and we both moved out of our parents' home at the same time to live with each other. All of that was just a whole lot because I knew that I was escaping. You know, my, my purpose for moving out was because I had the money to be able to do so, but also I had to escape from the pain that I was enduring from living in my mother's home. And it was just like a breath of fresh air. It was a sense of freedom for me. But when you think that you're running away from one thing and you actually haven't healed, you're going to run into another thing that's going to create more struggle, you know, feeling like you're in bondage. And that's exactly what started to happen. Even though I had a sense of independence, now I had this sense of responsibility, you know, within this relationship and I was being exposed and experiencing things that I had never had to experience before because now here I'm going living with a partner and I don't even know exactly what it means to have a healthy relationship because at this point I had never experienced one. So the fact that we were already together for a few years, high school sweethearts, I was just like, well, this makes the most sense. You know, I know you, you know me, we're always spending all this time together why not live together and then one day and it was you know pretty shortly after we started living with each other um I was able to just come into the realization that things weren't as solid you know there wasn't loyalty there wasn't trust in the relationship and I was just like I feel so brokenhearted and because I have two parents who are addicted to alcohol I would always tell myself that would never be me you know, I would never use alcohol to cope. So I was headstrong on not utilizing that. But I never thought that, you know, me doing something else could become an addiction as well. But I was just really in a lot of pain. And I lived next to this smoke shop. So I was just like, I'm just going to drive over there. And, you know, at that point, I did not like cigarettes. So I was like, no, no cigarettes. And it was uh, black and now because I had tried it through somebody else. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to just smoke this black and mild. And I just remember it right now, like it was yesterday. I was standing on my balcony, um, just outside. Um, actually it wasn't the balcony. It was the, um, the apartment complex outside area. And I was just standing outside and I was crying. I was crying like I have a very vivid image of it because it's a significant significant event in my life where when I go back to that moment I can pinpoint every single time I broke down from pain because this was a type of pain I had never felt before y'all so I'm just sitting out there crying and I'm smoking and I was just like and that was the beginning phase of that so whenever I would feel heartbreak is when I would start smoking and at this point in my life it just seemed like heartbreak kept coming left and right and I was just becoming so stressed out and then bam what hit me to stop smoking for at least 10 months is I got pregnant y'all and during that pregnancy listen I'm a very obedient person I knew that me being pregnant and finding out that I was pregnant there's no way that I'm going to smoke 
or take anything into my body that is not of good that could impact my child. So I immediately cut it off. But during that pregnancy, I craved it so bad, so bad, wanted to smoke. And at this point, I had been smoking a little bit of weed every now and then was not that often whatsoever and it wasn't a whole lot honestly y'all because I can get high real quick back then so even though I had those cravings it ended up being me replacing it with food and that's how I gained 50 full pounds while I was pregnant with my son Um, my baby came out to be eight pounds two ounces so I'm like I don't think you know it wasn't really him he was a big baby but all of that weight that I put on had nothing to do with him had everything to do with me because now I had more stress to deal with you know um, because I had a lot of relationship issues and I was just losing myself losing my sense of self and then I'm pregnant with this baby and trying to figure out financial stability and prepping and all of that stuff and I'm just young I'm 19 at that time so Um, I just started to look at life differently around that time. But the earliest age, y'all, that I recall even having any ounce of nicotine is when I was a little girl. And I had to have been about six or seven years old. And we played in our neighborhood, like had a lot of friends and things of that nature. Just like the typical, um, you know, black family growing up in the neighborhood. And I remember... Um, we were outside hanging out and we went to a friend's house and this, um, this young girl, she was a white girl that lived in our neighborhood. We were all close friends. She brought a pack of cigarettes that were from like her family member. Like it was an older sibling or it was a parent's pack of cigarettes and she brought it out and everybody grabbed a cigarette and we had a lighter and everybody lit their cigarettes and started to smoke him. And that for me was a terrible experience. Like I did not like it whatsoever. So when I needed something to run to as an adult I said no to regular cigarettes and I said absolutely no to the alcohol y'all so um you know when you're a kid and you don't have parents who watch over you you tend to dibble and dabble in things that you have no business dibbling and dabbling in and then if you're around other kids and you don't know what they've been exposed to they expose you to many different things and that's what I experienced quite a bit growing up so let's fast forward y'all so after I give birth to my son, I think it probably, I was breastfeeding. So breastfeeding, can't drink, can't smoke. All right. Um, I think it was about three months I hit and my son no longer wanted to be just breastfed. He was a greedy baby and my milk was not producing the way that it needed to. I was just going through so much at that time. I remember um, it was like a month and a half after I had my son I started to have these gallstone issues so I had to go to the hospital a couple times and then one time I went to the emergency room and then mind you my son was only uh, almost two months I went to the emergency room and they were like oh you just have gallstones and I was like okay and they were gonna give me some medication so literally I drove down the street and the pain started kicking back up I have to go right back to the emergency room and they were like, you have to go in for an emergency surgery. Now, I had already just had an emergency C-section two months before. So at this point, I'm just like, I'm a new mom. I have these relation, this relationship issue with the, the man that I want to be with for the rest of my life. Um, I'm not living in my own place anymore. Like at this point, I've lived with his parents and then I moved and lived with my mom for a couple of weeks and then I went and moved with my dad. So it was just like a lot of transitions that I would have, was already battling with upon, you know, being a new mom. 
and you know just working full-time as well and I was in school y'all so doing all of this and just trying to manage life it was just like I started to hit rock bottom so I had that surgery and my job came through you know this is how God moves like my job came through and I didn't have any sick time because I had just been out for six weeks after having my son and they gifted me with some PTO time and they were like, you know, Shawnee, you just had a C-section and then now you just had a major stomach surgery. You are not coming back to work. People have donated their PTO time. Here you go. And at that time, I was working at the hospital that I gave birth to and then the hospital that I had to have the surgery at. So my coworkers, they signed, you know, balloons, flowers, cards, and they would come and visit me. And it was just like a really beautiful experience because I had was going through so much at that time and I just remember doing a lot of crying and just trying to figure out how I was gonna make it I suffered from postpartum depression which is not anything I've ever talked about publicly but my depression was very bad to the point where I had suicidal thoughts and um, I remember one time I had a thought of wanting to harm my child my, my little bitty baby and I was just like as soon as that thought came in it left out because I was like immediately no immediately no the devil will not win um this battle that I'm fighting so I was just like okay I gotta I gotta get it together and so I did I did and I was just like I caught broke down I think I called my mom in the middle of the night and um she came over and I had to give my baby formula that night because I was just like so lost and my milk wasn't coming fast enough it just was everything was just rushing in so bad so and and I'm still dealing with the wound from the c-section because I had some trauma from that y'all that's a whole nother story like black women in emergency c-sections that story is getting really played out and it's really ridiculous it's running rampant it's a very traumatic experience among the black women um and I've talked about it on several occasions and things of that nature because that experience it tore me and my wound took a while to heal from that. And um, and I believe that the Lord has delivered me from that traumatic experience wholeheartedly. But that came way before my encounter with really loving Jesus two years ago. I think I worked on that like a couple of years ago. Um, but I was just doing a lot of healing and trauma work when it came to the mental health field. And I was able to break free from that challenge of that in itself. But when it came to like... All of this stuff that I was enduring, a surgery, being a, a, a single mom now. I went from being a fiancé to a single mom. And, and that's a whole nother storyline that I have to talk about. I have to talk about my relationship history. Um, I have some really interesting stories. But I am definitely forgiving everybody. Forgiving everybody. And I took accountability, which helped me to overcome. But at this point in my life, you know, with my nicotine addiction, it started to ramp back up because at this point I needed an outlet. I needed to deal with all the stress with my physical health, being a mom, relationship issues, family, trauma, drama, you name it. All of it was there. But when I had taking the initiative to see that I was smoking too much I realized that um I needed to break free from it because I had asthma y'all at this point I had asthma I had asthma medication that I was taking I was doing the albuterol I had a pill 
um, I think it, and, and then I had environmental allergies. So at this point, like I'm literally taking all these medications and I'm just puffing, puffing, puffing away. There will be times where I'll have so such intense migraines that the migraines are the only thing that would stop me from having from smoking. Y'all. And that actually that that experience with the migraines and the smoking lasted up until a couple years ago when I finally cut everything out. It would be like, okay, well, I have a migraine after smoking. All right. Well, you know, I'm not going to smoke again. That, That would be my thing. And that's just like a person who is addicted to alcohol or any other substance it's like oh well I had a bad bad moment bad trip or something like that or um you know how people who drink and black out from alcohol it's like oh I'll never do that again or um there have been times where I've had a couple of hangovers in my life and I'm like oh my goodness I will never do that again turn around do it again but with the smoking I did not have those migraines enough for me to stop doing it. If it came once a week or a couple times a month, it was just like I could not stop the habit of smoking because um, the literal, the same stressors that I would have would be the same ones that carried me on to smoking nicotine for 15 years, y'all. Ultimately, that's what it was. I had an outlet and that was my comfort zone. You know, like smoking. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna smoke, and nobody would know that I was smoking. I didn't have the stench smell on me. That was also one thing that I was very sure to not have. I would smoke with the window down, make sure that I change out things, air fresheners, all of that stuff. Like, my goodness, when I look back at it, I I just thank God for saving me and delivering me from that because I fought really hard. I fought really hard and I want to say I fought hard for several years to let it go because there would be moments where I would go maybe three to four months without smoking whatsoever. And then it would literally take one thing to trigger me and my mind would be like, stop at the gas station, smoke a black and mild. You're just going to smoke one. You'll be okay. Just smoke a little bit of one and then you can toss it out. But it was one of those things where it had a strong hold over me that anytime I convinced myself that I could smoke and I did, I would be locked right back into the same everyday habit. And I was ashamed. I did not feel good about myself doing that. But I also didn't have anything to take the pain away that I was feeling. And I did not want to numb my pain, like numbing my pain in my eyes was through the use of like marijuana, alcohol or any other substance. And I was just like, I'm not ever going that route. But at the end of the day, an addiction is an addiction. And I made it appear to myself that this is the less severe thing. So it's the better thing. The reality is, is that it's not better, you know. If you're feeding something because you're hiding from pain, you're running from pain, it's never good because you're not really getting to the root cause of what that thing is. But my healing journey really started as I became um, a social work student and being in the mental health field because I was just like, oh, wow, like I have to heal me before I can work with healing other people. And I did a lot of groundwork as a student and I read lots of books. I started changing my eating habit and I was able to break free from any medication that I had ever been on. Now, I was always labeled as like my mom's sickly child because it was like you could cough on me and I would be sick for days. Like I would be so ill to the point where 
it would be hard physically for me to get up out of the bed for two to three days whenever I would get sick. But I was also one of those kids that was always like determined to push through and not to appear as if I'm weak. And I don't know where that come from because this this strength of this being a strong black woman, (laughs) I don't subscribe to that anymore. But I used to and I, you know, because of my background history, I had no choice but to. But I decided I didn't want to have to live a life that way. So eventually I was able to cut back on how often I smoked because I started eating healthier and my body started feeling better. So whenever I get stressed, I would just be like, oh, okay, well, I just got to eat healthy. You know, I was working out. I had this routine and things of that nature. But there came a point where I went through uh, a bout of anxiety and depression and I had a panic attack. This panic attack was so severe. And at this time, I was like working at a really high stress job. They weren't treating me well. They were treating me so unfair. And it was just so much going on, um, co-parenting and um, just dissatisfaction with life and my love life and just feeling alone, you know, feeling like I'm always on the go at this point. I'm, you know, working two jobs. I've always been the type of person to work two jobs. So at, at the end of the day, I was just overwhelming myself to a point where I started to become addicted to working because I was running from my pain. So, you know, you can have an, a nicotine addiction, but you can also have a work addiction. And that's something that I more recently have really gotten myself out of because I've been working since I was 16 and but I've been running and hiding from all of the pain that I've endured before the age 16 as well. So and there's another story that I'm going to have to share with you all about my childhood because I think it's very important to bring about awareness from the things that I've overcame. God has delivered me. He's been delivering me (laughs) through lots and lots of things. When I look back over my life, I'm just like, wow, i can't believe I'm here but um God whispered something into my ear when I was 12 years old he told me he had me here for a reason and that I could never give up and that I should never try to give up ever again and ever since that moment I have made it a point to make sure that I am walking in purpose and you know God has shown me what my purpose is on many different seasons and I never take it for granted because it's always made me feel good just operating in my purpose y'all so if you have don't have a purpose out there just yet pray on it pray on it because God will never leave you nor forsake you and he will give you the desires of your heart I promise you he will hold on hold on hold on glory glory is coming okay so ultimately there was seven different things that I did to really combat this nicotine addiction and I I was intentional. Every time I tried to fight it, I was very intentional. I was just like, just take this desire away from me. Allow me to just deal with stress and discomfort any other way, in healthy ways, y'all. Just let me do that. So one thing I did was I prayed for comfort. The second thing that I did is just I started to identify the unhealthy family patterns that I had. I knew that addiction ran rampant on my mother and my father's side, but I had to get a deeper dive into, you know, well, what's going on within this family pattern? Like, how far does it date back? And, you know, what information can I pull? But I wasn't able to pull a whole lot of information. Just looking at my mother and my father just helped me gather that information and made things more clear for me. And that was like a motivating force. Um, And I also had to work on forgiveness through looking at those unhealthy family patterns as well. Because in order for me to truly heal, I had to disconnect from everything that made me sick. 
Number three, I had to ask God to show me the truth, the truth about myself and the truth about the life that I've endured and to prepare my heart to receive the information. Because when you're starting to embark this journey and build that relationship with God, he will show you different things um, through your thoughts, through meditation and um, through people, songs, things that you're watching on TV. He'll give you an answer. And you have to be ready for that truth. And I was ready and open and willing to do the work for it all, which is very important. Um, So that's why number four, self-care came into place. As I'm receiving that information, I'm building myself up because in those times when I get weak, I need to be able to lean in on something instead of just compromising. So whatever your self-care plan looks like, create it, stick to it. Number five. Um, my Bible, reading the Bible and my prayer life had to absolutely increase because this thing that I was battling in the Bible in Mark nine, um, it speaks about this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting y'all. So with me understanding the depths of the strongholds that I was fighting, I knew that I had to increase reading the Bible in my prayer life absolutely it was non-negotiable because I need to be seeking the face of the Lord daily I need to be decreeing and declaring I need to be casting out whatever strongholds are trying to take root over my life because any time that I've tried to break free from it there was always something that came along to trigger me to tempt me and I didn't want to be tempted and fall and fall just falling just easily like I didn't want to go six months again and then fall off track. I was just like, I want to break this thing that gives me this itch because at that point I was still dealing with triggers two years ago. And and it was just like, it's hard to fight your flesh. But praying and fasting helps dramatically, y'all. So if you have never done praying and fasting together, and the true biblical definition of a fast is just water alone during whatever hours you agree to the Lord with, Let me tell you something powerful. So the number six thing that I had to do is have less social media. I decreased my secular music. Now I don't listen to any secular music. And I also decreased the TV shows that I watched because a lot of that, literally, I could be watching anything and somebody smoking something. That's a trigger because now in your mind, you're like, "Ooh, you're doing an activity that I used to do. And then your your flesh starts trying to wake itself up and say, hey, I think we should do that. It's just like an annoying neighbor that just comes over to your house all times of the day. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, you know what? I don't I don't want this annoying thing to have access to me no more. So let me go ahead and remove anything that's a representation of addiction. I don't want to hear about anybody doing anything. All of that stuff is foolishness. But at the end of the day, it can put an idea in your mind. And that's why it's so it, the brain is so powerful like you have to be in control of it so and I wanted to be in control of my mind in and out and not allow other things to control me and the last thing that I had to do is to worship more so listen to gospel music but also like literally watching sermons and um, revivals and things of that nature it, it, spending hours doing it every day every day I still do this today y'all just to make sure I keep myself grounded. I got to keep my face and my eyes right here on the Lord uh, nonstop. Okay. And it feels good to have a routine like that because now I'm in preparation phase for whatever could come. And now I no longer have those strongholds dragging me down. It's for those other wars, you know, that we're out here fighting. 
At this point, there will be no more wars. There will be no more negative, evil strongholds hovering over our lives, y'all. I want you to know that whatever has been an addiction to you in your life, to tell that addiction what you want it to do. The Bible says in Mark eleven twenty three. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. And I believe that whatever that mountain is in your life connected to an addiction or a stubborn habit that you have that you really have been challenged with breaking free from, I want you to speak to that mountain today because there's a law, there's a written rule according to Mark eleven twenty three, that if you have faith and no doubt in your heart, then you tell that mountain whatever you need it to do and it shall be done immediately okay so if you believe in the power of prayer like I do I am begging you to go into a biblical fast and pray away that stronghold so God can come through and strip it away from you he can only do things when you allow yourself to be willing free and open he can come in and help you and give you some support in some way, but you have to be willing. You have to be eager. You have to be desperate to allow yourself to die of the flesh so you can be stronger in spirit. Because ultimately what you're doing is you're becoming strong spiritually so that way none of these things that are triggering you can bring you down. It's like you'll be able to stand on your post. My name is Shawnee P. I love y'all. I thank y'all for tuning in and I will see y'all on next week's episode. Peace.